Welcome to Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 421? Yes. Yes? Should be. <laughs> Maybe? I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll go with that. What's in a name or a number? <laughs> Nothing, apparently. Um, <laughs> so we actually, quite a lengthy podcast this week. Yeah. Lots to talk about for once. I know. Was I was nice. I was actually surprised with how much content we had this week, and hopefully it gets back to the the normal, the new normal. A new normal, which nothing's normal. So who knows what a new normal would look like? Yes. Think on that for a couple minutes. Um, I didn't do a full on review, but I had a very good suggestion for reading this week. You guys have to listen to the podcast to find out what that is. Uh, Tony I, actually did a book review. Yes, and I would flat out say pick up Savage Dragon number 250. If you've never read anything, it it was just great as a standalone book of many different stories, but it might get you hooked enough to continue reading uh, or going down a rabbit hole of reading up past uh, issues as well. Lots of news. Uh, Comic-Con from home news. Tons of Walking Dead news weirdly for a comic book that ended like a year ago um <laughs> lots of movies, different movies, movies yeah movies yeah movies little tidbits here and there a lot of good stuff i feel like yeah. so quite proud of this yeah. one hey it's good it was nice uh so grab a drink sit back relax and enjoy drunk on comics podcast episode 421 or, or whatever tony wants to call it i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 421. <laughs> but we'll find out next week if that's yeah. true. Yeah. Or something else. Who knows? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, besides the slowness on posting, and I I do fully take responsibility on that because... You have to. I Because <laughs> I can't blame you, but... You, because you have to. First of all, I work. <laughs> So. <laughs> and that makes it sound even worse. Like that, yeah. I do have all this free time. Yet, God, every day is just still melding into another. Um, and I'm not busy at all, but I feel like I just have tons of things. I guess I say I will be. You know how busy I would be cleaning my house. It's oh, a full time yeah. job. It is a full time job. Are you cleaning your house? Yeah. Oh. Awesome. I have it. I can't wait to see it. I have it like half cleaned. Um, and are you cleaning it to my standards or are you cleaning it to your standards? Maybe in between, a little bit more than okay. my standards. <laughs> All right. Because I'm going to be getting a going to be getting a roommate soon. So. Oh. Remember, nice. remember Nick, our old beer master. No. Oh. Maybe, maybe, it was before, maybe it was before your time. Nick kind of came on a couple times. He uh, works uh, at a beer place making beer, and he's always homebrewed his own stuff. Does he work at the Mitten? No, he works at Founders, but he worked at Bell's Founders. before. And he just always okay. craft brewed his own stuff. So there was a, a fun episode that we did that I've always wanted to do more of. It just never worked out where he came over and, like, started the mash and and we created it and it was boiling but also that kind of ruined 
part of us recording because he had to keep getting up and checking the stove. But like, we created a kind of a l really light. Um, I want to say it was like a rice beer. Uh, rice. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it was. It was something interesting. And then after a month of letting it do its thing or whatever and getting it bottled, uh, we tried it, and it was all right. He's made some better ones, but this was his first ever trying of this new mix mash, uh, what have you. And he didn't. Ha I didn't have, like, a giant stir or something to mash it all up, so he used my uh, my driver. I own two golf clubs, a driver and a putter, ah. and, and he used that thing to just mash it all up in this giant pot, and it was a fun, fun episode, but he'll be uh, joining me at my house in a couple weeks, and maybe he will join us on the cast. Yeah. Cool. We lost Anthony, it seems. Kind of. I chatted with him. He also thought... Like, we were kind of taking a summer break, and I was like, not really. Me and Linz are still doing things. He goes, oh, I didn't know that. Sure, I'm still interested in doing things. I was like, okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> it pretty sure. It, it's been fairly erratic lately, so I don't blame him for, like, not keeping track of I, when we're recording. What? I, for me, and it goes back to posting everything, I really am trying to get a better sleep schedule and trying to just have a schedule in general that I can keep to. Normal life, I would have always had it or it might have been a day late. Now it's just like I forget and then I don't think about it. And then if we decide to take a week off, because we've kind of been more to do that lately, just no news and everything. I Right. Yeah. So that's my excuse. But, I mean, that's what it is. It's an excuse. And nothing more. It sure is. <laughs> and then also my uh, my foray into the sun. Once again, I used sunscreen this time. I think it was last time when we recorded. I was out. Well, I have a question. Yeah. I'm raising my hand so that you stop talking. Was it expired sunscreen? No, it was, was just it sunscreen that you owned. Well, uh, yes, I didn't know sunscreen expires, so that very well could be. It does, it does. My ex learned that when he went on his cruise with my child and put expired sunscreen on my child, and my child got third-degree sunburns. So oh, damn. My I, guess is that your sunscreen is probably expired. Like, well, also, well, I, well, I'll blame it on that then. I was also thinking that it's just because I only applied it during the morning and not throughout the day. Yeah, that's probably also, like, it's probably a nice con combination of things. Like, I'm proud of you for remembering to put it on at all, I guess. Yeah, that was, that was like, my first step, and I thought, I'm being a big boy now, and then I hurt. <laughs> being a big boy very often does end in hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Unfortunately. Um, how's, uh, your, how's your COVID world going? Um, you know, it's good, I guess. I, I'm i like one of those lucky people where I currently have no complaints. Like, job is good. Uh, I'm not one that normally goes out often, so I'm not, like, missing my social life or anything like that. So I don't, I mean, it. it I, sometimes I get to the point where I have nothing else to watch on TV, and that's kind of a bummer, but then I just go and read a book instead, I guess. <laughs> That has been... The house is very clean. The house is very, very clean. 
Well, if I mean, if you need something to do, I have a house. You would not want me to clean your house because I would force you. It would be like an episode of Hoarders. You would be crying because I would be yelling at you to throw out all your stuff that you wanted to keep for some stupid-ass reason. <laughs> I don't right. know if our friendship can take that. <laughs> it's lasted uh, this long. I, I'm surprised sometimes. <laughs> Oh, but uh, yeah. So that's uh, life in a nutshell. Let's uh, get into some comic books. Okay. Um. I'm I'm gonna go first because mine's real short. Okay. Um, because it's, I'm not gonna do a full review because this it's a I'm I'm it's a series, right? So I'm not gonna review the whole series. So John Lewis died over the weekend. He if people don't know who john lewis is then like go fucking google it you should know who john lewis is but he was definitely somebody who was on the forefront of the civil rights movement very important person to american history um died of pancreatic cancer i believe just Mm -hmm. recently um he did a graphic novel series um i want to say it was a probably about seven years ago now that the first book came out um, called March and I thought it was really exciting when this came out because it's autobiographical and he could have just written a book right that's what a lot of people do they just write books but he chose to do this graphic novel series instead which I thought was amazing and important and a good way to tell his story so there's three um, three books in the series, um, starting with his early life in the civil rights movement, and then going through, I believe, it, the current, you know, when, when the book series ended. So not like current to today, but yeah. current to when the book series ended. Um, the art and all that was done by um, Nate Powell, and I believe that uh, he, the co-writer on it was Andrew Aiden. So I've been suggesting this book to people for a while. Josh was on the podcast, I think, a couple of years ago, and he reviewed this book. Yep. Um, it's really well written. It's one of those examples of um, important history being told in a way that is more consumable by people because I would much rather read this and I know kids would much rather read this than like a novel about his life right same content like it's the same story but because it's done well yeah it's done with pictures like it's done with beautiful art so I think that's more impactful. So rather than just reading his important words, like they're giving weight to them by showing images of what was going on at the time, which I think adds a little more gravitas to the books themselves. It won all kinds of awards when it came out. They teach it. They used to teach in schools, which I think is great. So if you guys haven't picked it up yet, and you're interested in learning about John Lewis and the civil rights movement, you can get the book separately there's three of them you can get them all together on amazon or your local comic book store or anything like that it's definitely recommended reading if you're in school it should be required reading in my opinion oh, for sure um, but since most of our audience is probably adults then i would just say that it's recommended reading <laughs> yeah well it's a, it was first the first issue was pub or volume was published in 2013 
and then 2015, and then 2016 was the last one. And it was the first uh, graphic uh, novel in history to ever win uh, the National Book Award um, for yep. Young People's Literature, which is a feat in of itself to have, you know, there's comic book awards that obviously comic books win, but to kind of get a book, I don't know, as you said, the gravitas of the book and everything kind of shows that's why I earned this award as well because yeah, of how powerful sure. it is. Yeah. It, my, my guess would be that the story would be wordier, right? Obviously if you're writing a novel, it'd be wordier cause they're not, they're, they're pretty thick graphic novels, but they're not huge. And most autobiographies are what, like a thousand pages. Yeah. They're like impossible to get through, even if it's the most interesting person on the planet. By taking some of those words that you would use to describe what was going on in the situation, you just do the art for it. You don't have to waste your time saying it was a cold miserable yeah. On, yeah, and all this stuff was going on. You just put that in the picture and then you can spend your time on the important things that you're trying to get across. Yeah. So I think more books should be written like this more I, I don't know why more people haven't hopped on that sort of autobiographical graphic novel train I think it's an amazing idea and uh, way better I think you gave this to a kid and you gave the John Lewis autobiography to a kid they would totally choose March to read over yeah, a book with sure. no pictures and that's not to say that it's because they don't they have a hard time reading or like they are you know like oh pretty picture sort of thing i just think it's a way better way to consume that information yep so what? that's what i got all right um so this week uh savage dragon number 250 came out and so whenever you have those big you know numbered type uh books uh it's obviously a special it's a hundred page extravaganza which then that also means usually it is made up of many different stories and i have read some savage dragon i know bits and pieces of the character but not all the lore and everything behind it um created by eric larson back in the day when they first formed image this is the longest running um creator owned um writer art because he does writing in the art um he's done all that except for one issue i believe i read so besides that one issue he's done them all um and offshoots and everything and he's created all these characters from his childhood when he was coming up with things and so for me a giant issue like this it's hard to um kind of know who all these people are but they made it a point to try to make this uh, friendly for new readers. And so for me, knowing maybe one or two characters, all these other characters and all these side stories, it was great to see because not all of these had the dragon being the main character. Um, I learned of this other dragon-looking dude named Paul, who is, I guess, his dad. If um, I read Paul. that up. Yes. I guess it's Paul. like a backstory. Paul the and, dragon. Yes. And because because I wanted to show you this one one panel because I didn't know who the character was and what it what the was going on, 
but there was a giant fight, and as you can see, all these hands that are beating him up are clearly oh, yeah. Marvel people, and I'm like, that's not who he is fighting, but that he just put those in there, and what I later found out was this is a reprint story of one of, so a lot of these stories in here are new, but then I guess he's been known to kind of just reprint uh, a story that he liked back in the day that he writ, writ, had written. And so uh, this was just one of them, and this was a beatdown um, that was going on. And besides that, some of these other uh, stories, there's one where there's pretty much Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and they were mutant turtles that kind of got their asses kicked, but you could tell, but they looked not like our ninja, they looked like kind of more real turtles with like just masks on. Um, right. It, it was a great book, but I want to go to what I loved as the first story, which one of the things with Savage Dragon is it's it's an ongoing series that he tries to um, have the world set up in real time. Like, it comes out once a month, so he tries to make the stories kind of go along with our real timeline. Not necessarily always, uh, you know, the same dates and everything, but tries to get what he can have in a story to kind of fit that, from what I've heard. Like I said, I haven't read a lot of uh, Savage Dragon, but when it st starts off, the opening uh, credits for who the letterers and the colorists and everything are, I don't know who Josh, uh, Josh Eckhorn is, but they go on to, you know, letterers, colors, flats, editor, and then Josh, Josh Ackerhorn has been nailing social distancing for years. So I don't know who that is, but they obviously kind of were poking fun at his friend. And I go, yeah, that's kind of cool that they're mentioning social distancing. But then you get into this first story, which is Family Matters, and it says April 13th, 2020. And it starts off with, with him killing a mosquito on the ceiling, but then, and kind of going through like some personal things and then it's the next uh two pages later april 17th 2020 and it was kind of more meta of like it looks like an editor so what do we have for savage dragon number 250 and you have him in this panel talking to these real life people and they're like can't we just run a 22 pages of nothing just drag this out with a fight and you see uh, the dragon kind of saying you know there's just really nothing going on he's done a few zoom calls you know, looks like this whole lockdown uh, thing and everything. And that's when you start realizing, you know, then you have, like, people saying, you know, it's an anniversary issue. We have to do something. Well, can't we just do one of those album issues where you catch up readers on all the backstories? The book's been going on for 28 years. There's a lot there. And I'm just like, this is so meta in what it is. And this whole story pretty much is that. I don't know who some of these little savage dragon looking kids are again because i haven't read this book but then this goes on to april 20th and it's just going through his life at home during this whole uh lockdown quarantine situation where just being bored just doing zoom calls just walking around your house and your boxers having to deal with kids um and it was really interesting because this is the first comic book that i've read over the last like four months that has actually discussed anything 
of real world stuff going on. And their last book, number uh, 249, came out, I want to say it was March. And they've kind of had a small hiatus where normally he would always have something coming out. So during this time of quarantine, he's had, he whatever they originally were going to go with this, they decided, nope, let's do something different. And I think it just makes this book a must pick up, if not for seeing how how they're coping, how these heroes are coping, and some other heroes when they're Zoom calling them. Again, these are characters that I don't necessarily know who and what and they all are, but seeing them just chatting with him while Zooming, as well as the bad guys knowing exactly where he is because he's at home in quarantine, so... You know exactly where to attack if you want to attack the Savage Dragon. And then there's tons of, uh, you know, sex and violence and rock and roll. And all in all, the art, the colors, uh, the style of of the art is just great. Um, but just the story and, and everything of what's going on in this first uh, 22 pages is kind of the key. And then it goes into all the backup stories. So... All in all, I would say this is definitely, uh, it's a bigger book, but it will get you kind of caught up. I think some of these side stories, too, were just kind of one-shots, one where I think some others might have to do with the ongoing narrative that they've set within this universe, but I can't personally speak to that, not knowing you know where and when and all these characters come into, but each one of the small stories that gave me enough of an uh, to kind of figure out who this person is. Oh, this is a bad guy. Oh, this person is this. And I don't know. I really liked it. It's definitely uh, a must uh, read. Nice. So, uh, yeah, so that's what I have for reviews this week. And then there's starting to get to be more news, which is great because. I have a bunch of tabs open. <laughs> Let's 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 have you start because uh, I again the last four months have just been weird and as people are trying to get into normal there's you know it's nothing's ever going to be normal for a while but everything from movie theaters to movies shooting and everything there's a lot of ups and downs of what's going on and it's mainly just. I mean, everything we talk about in the comic book industry, it's for entertainment. I mean, there's nothing huge uh, revealing when it comes out about it, but I like discussing these things. I like watching TV shows, watching our favorite Netflix shows and everything, and uh, I do, before you get into it, I want to say one thing of Tenant has been a movie that I'm very interested in watching. I like Christopher Nolan's... Yeah, you're never going to get to see it. Uh, it's never I, happening. I know, but that they keep... <laughs> Uh, pushing it back. Like, it was supposed to come out, I want to say, two months... No, mid-June, uh, so about a month ago. And then push it back two weeks, push it back two weeks. Well, now they have officially delayed it with finally not setting a new date because they're starting to realize it's probably not going to happen this year. And again, I you can't kind of force some of these studios to put all these on video on demand... But again, you also can't just wait for the movie theaters. I think we've talked about it before. Of You put it out in the theaters, there's going to be people that aren't going to go see movies for a very long time. 
So right. you might make, I mean, it's always a gamble. Will you make more video on demand or will you make more actually having a theater halfway full of people? I guess if it's the only new movie, sure. But then again, how many times are people going to go out to watch it multiple times when I know I won't even go watch it once while it's in theater? So I just thought that was that was a, again, it's not big news, but it was like about time they just re- came to the realization that this is reality. Right. Um, speaking of things that are different than normal, we can kind of start with the big thing that's happening this week. Um, so Comic-Con at home starts July 22nd. So July 22nd through the 26th, San Diego Comic-Con is now Comic-Con at home. Um, I saw that and there's people that... I've been reading over the stuff that they're doing. I was going to say, there's people that uh, were in San Diego that, uh, you know, obviously not having the event, have started, like, a uh, across from the normal convention center, are doing this uh, kind of like a makeshift uh, know, tribute uh, on the streets ahead of everything to so kind of just be like, Hey, this is, uh, you know, we miss you. And this is kind of our homage to San Diego Comic-Con. But what do you have? So, uh, at the Comic-Con, air quotes, around (laughs) Comic-Con. From your living room. I think it's funny they just call themselves Comic-Con now, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um... So they're still doing panels. They're all pre-recorded. Um, there's a ton of them. Some of the ones that are of note are, of course, there's a Walking Dead panel. Um, I feel like you can't have San Diego Comic-Con without a Walking Dead panel. Um, there's going to be a Bob's Burger panel, which I think would be really fun. Uh, they're doing a Marvel 616 panel. And... Um, more importantly, Tony, they're doing a Bill and Ted Face the Music panel hosted by Kevin Smith himself. So that would be a really good one. Uh, the date and time hasn't been announced as of the article that I'm looking at. Um, they're also doing a New Mutants panel. Yeah. And that made me laugh because I'm like, wasn't this movie supposed to come out like three years ago? <laughs> uh, the Bill and Ted panel is Saturday, <laughs> July 25th at 3 p.m., Pacific time. Um, that one, at least, I nice. I, I looked up because yeah, I'm planning on tuning into that one. Uh, there is also uh, another one that I was looking forward to was uh, the art of adapting comics to the screen. Um, the David uh, Goyer uh, Q and A, and that'll be interesting because that is a big thing within the industry now. It's not just comic books; it's pop culture and as we were just previously talking about, movies kind of start, I don't know, movies are a big part of uh, the industry now. Um, yes, and that New Mutants one is on Thursday, July 20, right. 23rd. Definitely. And I am very curious on that one to see if they're going to announce when, maybe, if, is this movie ever going to happen? I was so wanting to see it. And then I was, like, dreading to see it. And then I was, like, I'm definitely not going to see this. 
But now I've come full circle to like I want to watch the train wreck. Like, how bad will this be? Yeah. I want you to be surprised. Like, also yeah, maybe they're we're getting low bars so that anything better than total shit, anything better than the last uh, X Men movie will be good. Which is a low bar yeah. to to hit. Yeah. Um. They're still doing a cosplay contest, which I thought was really interesting. Um, if they're doing a virtual masquerade, so you can uh, enter your cosplay in ahead of time, and they'll still have judges and stuff like that. But it looks like there is a limit of 50 people, which for an entire country of nerds is not a lot of people. So if you want <laughs> to get in on this cosplay contest... Um, I think that goes live on the 23rd. Uh, the thing that I think is super cool is they took my advice and they created a map of the convention floor where the merchandise would normally be, and it's interactive. So you can see where each vendor would be set up and just click on it, and it'll take you to that vendor's page. Oh. So I'm glad they stole that idea from me. <laughs> that is a really good idea that you had. I know, I know. I really wish they would have paid Maybe. me for it, but you know. <laughs> um, no, I mean, if I thought of it, other people thought of it too. But I, it, to me, it seems like the most fluid and easy way to present anyone that would be normally on the floor during a Comic-Con. So I think it'll be exciting because it'll give, if, if companies are doing Comic-Con exclusives, right, normally... You have to like beg your friends who are going to Comic Con to like pick it up for you or pay like a crazy dollar amount for mm. them afterwards. Whereas now you just kind of got to hop on and go for it, yep. which I think is great. What well, there and I didn't even think about it, but this past Friday there was a release of a bunch of new Transformer toys that um, they're not Comic Con exclusive, but I'm wondering if some of them were originally set to be like a couple months ago but now they're walmart exclusives it looks like most of them and when it comes to transformers toys a lot of them are reissues or just repaints of like the same person with a different head sculpt so for me those aren't the ones i want to collect i want to collect like a new kind of transformation or a really awesome looking one that i don't have some of these are like really cool that i'm like damn it why did i look at this because I, normally at San Diego there will always be that huge big one and I've gotten three years no two years two different ones from there and uh, luckily at the time they had pre-orders through Amazon as well so they were exclusive to San Diego Comic Con but I was able to know like while looking up news like almost every day I, it was like the day that they're like this is gonna be a san diego comic-con i go let me quick check my amazon account oh there it is to pre-order so i'm one of the lucky ones that will get this and 200 bucks later i got it and super lucky you got to spend 200 i know that's <laughs> that's what i'm trying to not look up toy stuff anymore and it's a good thing that i can't really just go shopping and perusing the toy section when I go get groceries because that's not needed. Right. Yeah. So if you want to follow San Diego Comic-Con or Comic-Con at home as we're calling it, um, follow their YouTube channel. 
and they also have a blog, a toucan blog, that you can follow. It's their official blog to find out what's going on. I would imagine um, it'll be a little different because things are kind of already preset. They're not going to be like any random shit happening out of nowhere like you can get at some cons. So, mm -hmm. um, But I don't know if they'll release things kind of like they have all these panels set up, but one day they'll release like, surprise, we're doing this panel sort of thing. Um, so if you really want to follow it, just sign up for one of those things so that you can know what's going on. Um, I have a couple of things from uh, Robert Kirkman. And one of the things that he was talking about with the whole coronavirus and delays with movies and everything that he... He feels that this is going to be positively impacting the Rick Grimes movies that they're still making. They're supposedly making a trilogy of them, which I personally gave up uh, on the show a while ago. But then I probably would still want to watch something like this if it's production value of a movie. But why? Why? What? Why are they because doing it? Because it's just better quality? Yeah. I mean, they have a whole show. Yes, but the show is writing has gone to shit, so that's what he like right. I, he doesn't say that but he's implying that this gives us time to really uh rework some of the th the things in the script and it's like that's that's a good positive thing and that's probably a positive things for a lot of movies that don't have whatever there's a terrible movie i don't think it's usually the initial script or the director i always think it's uh the heads of studios interjecting what they think the demographic should be and then you kind of right. have marvel that kind of goes we have some input but we trust you and then that director does an amazing job and then they make billions like they always do yeah and then let's be fair there are some just shitty movies out there oh yeah i mean uh, i have shitty movie i used to have shitty new movie night with my friends yes there are really terrible movies another thing that kirkman has announced is that they are reissuing all of the walking dead uh, comic series, but in color. Yep. And I, too. I've seen some preview pages of it, and it, I, again, I think out of all uh, people, Robert Kirkman strikes me as the most of not doing cash grabs because, as we all know, he could have kept the series running and just making money hand over fist for however long he wanted to, but he ended it the way he wanted to, surprised everyone. I still think because of that one thing that he did besides the series just being amazing anyways that the dude is like straight up cool so i don't see this as a cash grab i just see this as it's an interesting new look i personally enjoyed the black and white because it, it really set a tone of just this gray you know abysmal type bleak. world yeah bleak and so seeing some of these pages though like the color really pops out but it i don't know i'll definitely probably look at some of them obviously i know the whole story so i probably won't read them all but i might maybe when they get to the prison or something like just see kind of some of the more finer details that might have popped with some color but uh it goes to a testament of though the originals like how you can work in those white gray and black tones to really sell the comic book and and how the zombies are attacking so i think that um i think walking dead will both 
benefit and not benefit from this because you're right the original being in black and white made it feel more bleak like there wasn't any sort of color to give you anything any excitement there wasn't any color to like draw your eye into anything in particular so you kind of had to pay attention to everything that was going on which i think in the walking dead was important um but i also think that adding color to the walking dead will just make it gross which could be fun right yeah (laughs) Like, it'll make it infinitely more gross. So, um, I saw a couple of the preview pages, too, and it is, it's gross. It looks gross. But uh, it does change the feel of it completely to see it in color, I think. Um, And, you know, it's not a cash grab, but it is kind of a cash grab. Yeah. I mean, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I did really like, they, they did that one episode of The Walking Dead where they did it in black, black and, and white. white yep yeah and that was really good mm-hmm. or was it a whole season i can't No, remember. it was just the i think it was just the one episode because yeah they didn't do a whole season in yeah it. or no damn now i'm gonna for, I, no i think they had it originally in color but they then just re-released it as an amc special of here it is yeah. in a filter of black and white which right. i think i think watching it's visually crazy how much it yeah, it can. It's crazy how much it can change. Cause like I've watched Logan both in the color version and in the black and white version, and it really does like they're not completely different movies, but it does kind of change the feeling of what's going on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and last thing I have from Robert Kirkman is uh, they're making that uh, the Invincible uh, animated series on Amazon, and they've released uh some of the cast um we have uh zachary quinto um carrie uh payton uh we also have uh zazzy beats uh cool. mark hamill and seth rogan all joining the cast okay. so those are good i know almost all of those names yeah so <laughs> and i'm sure they have plenty of other ones but these are kind of some of the bigger names that i i at least know of uh I honestly think I haven't read a single Invincible, which is a shame because I've heard great things about the comic book. And I also, I mean, I have free time now, but I almost wonder, I mean, I guess I do have free time because this isn't going to release for uh, a while, but do I... Forever, maybe. Well, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a cartoon, uh, so they can still draw um i'm wondering though should i read the comic books and have things spoiled or do i just enjoy a show without kind of knowing because that's kind of how it's happened with the umbrella academy and the and the boys like i never read those books but i enjoyed the comic book series that and i'm not saying i always think the books are always better than the videos but sometimes yeah, I don't want to be spoiled. And in fact, with the boys, after season one came out last year, I was curious about it. So I started looking up about the comic book and when it was released. And I learned some things that I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't read that. Because now I've spoiled some of what the show will be if they follow the comic books. Which it seems like, you know, when you do it a different median medium, you need to kind of change some things to surprise longtime readers. But... 
I'm pretty right. sure the big thing that I learned was is definitely going to happen within the show. Um, well, that was very ominous. <laughs> <laughs> well, is this uh, another uh, Netflix uh, original movie that I just recently watched was The Old Guard, another taken off comic books, and I'm I'm also at a point where I'm like, I'm glad that some of these comic books are being adapted. Also, I'm just like, do people not have original ideas anymore for movies or TV shows? It's like, at least we're not, like, getting a rehash of, like, another Terminator, like, the same thing over and over, or a reboot of something. At least this is new stuff to watch. And, uh, yeah. the, old, the Old Guard was really good. Um, I didn't know much about it, except for that it was a comic book. Uh, and I also love Charlie's Theron. Like she's been like, yeah, she's just beautiful and amazing. Um, there's a, a, I mean, so the old guard was written by Greg Rucka, um, who is uh, always uh, a good a good sign. Um, he also wrote the screenplay for it, which I think is important. Yeah. Right. Um, this was one. This was the first comic book movie ever directed by a woman of color which I think is really important. Oh. Um, and it's it's doing really well. I, it, over 74 million households have watched this movie. Yeah, it's um, setting records yeah. on Netflix. and. Yeah, yeah. They also... It's hard because normally we talk about movies in terms of, like, dollars, right? But you can't do that on Netflix. So you kind of have to give it to households, which yep. I don't know... It'd be interesting to see if somebody is translating that into, like, box office receipts somehow. I'm sure there's probably... Well, again, though, it's Netflix's hidden algorithm that saying 74 million, is it 74 million and one person, or is it 74 million, 999,000? Like, that's a big difference when you put it into a monetary amount, so... Right. I do. Uh, I found one thing with it though that I thought was kind of interesting. So Netflix made a online based uh, game to coincide with the release of this. Now, I want to say this has been out for a week and a half now at this point. And unfortunately, uh, had we known this a week and a half ago, we could announce it for people to play. But as of when we post this, they're already going to have the winner. But what I thought was great was Netflix is giving um, what they call an 83-year subscription, which is pretty much a thousand months subscription to Netflix for whoever at the end of the time, which was this past weekend. If you're ahead of the leaderboard, you on this online game, Netflix is oh. giving you pretty much a lifetime uh, free subscription to their service, which. That's I, I want to see more studios doing that, and I want to know about it ahead of time so I can at least try to play. And <laughs> right, yes, that's cool. Uh, this is not comic book related, but it is Netflix related, and I feel like I need to tell as many people as possible. So when I was a young child, my favorite book series ever on the planet was The Babysitters Club. Right, just like every girl my age in the nineties, we read The Babysitters. And, maybe and guys read guys related. guys read Goosebumps. Yeah, I also read Goosebumps, okay. and I also read uh, Fear Street. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but no, the Babysitters Club was 
was definitely my jam. I owned all of them. Um, and there has been, they've, they've done comic book adaptations of the Babysitter's Club as well. So it was a little bit comic book related. Um, never in my lifetime have I watched something that wasn't exactly like the books, but felt so much like the books that you were so happy with it. Like, it was crazy to me how close feeling to, like, to actually reading a book it was without sticking 100% to what the books were like. Because you can't. They have to modernize them, right? I mean, these took place in the 90s. That's 30 years ago now, (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) So, um, you know, everyone out there who like me was a young person who read the babysitters club um i would definitely i i like cried the whole time i was watching it (laughs) it was so good (laughs) anyway so i you know i just i have to share that with anyone who will listen um to me about that um so there's a uh uh they're gonna make a live action uh tom and jerry movie and really I'm, I personally love the like cartoon, you know, of Tom and Jerry. Just like all old school cartoons, they're mostly five minute skits of, you know, slapstick kind of comedy and everything. I'm wondering how a full length movie, plus with it being live action, if that will resonate enough. But I'm willing to take the leap to to watch it. Uh, I'm very, like I said, curious as to what this will be. And it's kind of starting pre-production right now. Uh, So that's one of two things that I'm very looking forward to. The other one is a Gremlins animated series that's going to be on HBO Max. And one of the big things, though, is Howie Mandel is not going to voice Gizmo. Which I don't think is the end of the world. Because, I mean, Gizmo didn't really talk that much anyways. He made noises most of the time. No, and everyone can do Gizmo. Like, yeah. that's not a hard voice to pull off. <laughs> you want, you really want me to try it? Because I, I know I won't be able to pull it off. <laughs> Gizmo! You just gotta get... Mama! Mogwai! Mogwai! There you go. See? I mean, literally, that's all you have to do. Water is wet. <laughs> Okay, now you're losing it. <laughs> I can say his. I can say Mogwai, and that's about it. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then uh, well, let's go back to you for anything that you might have found. So, um, Tony, if I had, if I said to you, if you could pick a man on this planet who is probably one of the most perfect human beings on the planet who would you pick i feel well like mr rogers bob ross but but like looks personality like somebody you want to emulate somebody you want to be friends with somebody all the girls want to get with sort of terry cruz yeah (laughs) have you seen the man oh yeah but have you like he is he a nice, flute, which I find enjoyable. <laughs> yes, as a fellow flute player. <laughs> who uh, who are you thinking and of? Of course, I of course am 
speaking of Keanu Reeves. Okay. Yes, okay, yes, right. he would be someone that also I'd love to chill with. Yes. So, actor, musician, film producer, owner of, you know, motorcycle companies, all-around good guy, meme producer, um, is now adding comic book writer to his list of things that he's going to be excellent at. Um, so he is doing a comic book through Boom with uh, Matt Kent. Him and Matt Kent are going to work together on this called Berserker, and it's spelled B-R-Z-R-K-R. Berserker. Um, Berserker. It sounds such a weird word to say. Uh, And I, and it's, it's going to be a comic that centers on a violent demigod who is wandering the earth, searching for answers about his existence. So, you know, not, uh, not an original concept, um, but it, the panel that they show of the number one cover is totally like, you remember sad Keanu, right? Him yeah. sitting on the park bench. It's got this demigod character sitting in the rain on this park bench looking sad, which I thought was, what a great way to start a comic book <laughs> written by Keanu Reeves. So, um, let me see if I can find the date for when this is coming out here. October 7th is when the first issue gets released. So mark that on your calendars, people. I think that'll be a good one. Um, a couple things going back to movies. Uh, China seems to be laxing some of the rules and is going to reopen some theaters, but with some capacity limits and runtime uh, limitations as well, which is... Again, one of those things that's just going to have to be the new normal and and everything. And I guess I will be watching that closely to see how that goes. But Australia now is launching a $280 million uh, incentive for films to come film there. Because they're like, we have low coronavirus uh, cases, so we're pretty good to go. My one kind of a little scared for the rest of the world is... Knowing Americans, do you want to invite us all there? Hopefully everyone that's like in yeah. the, the movie industries are being smart knowing we can't make these if we're being not safe, so let's wear our masks and, and do that. But that's that's a big chunk of change. Like There are certain places, I know Canada has huge incentives, which is why a lot of TV shows are filmed in Canada because they you know get tax breaks and everything. And I know... Michigan was at the forefront a good 15 years ago, and then they got rid of those incentives, and those are gone. Georgia has had a long time an incentive program, which kind of has been controversial in the last couple of years with their stances on um, LGBTQ type of uh, things from their government that has made certain productions say, well, we're not going to go there. We'd rather go to some other state to film things. So... It'll be interesting uh, to see more movies be made in Australia and how many deadly new species they find of animals because I don't know if I would want to be filming (laughs) in a place where everything and anything could kill me because that is Australia. Yeah. Yeah. It never gets cold, so the bugs are like, like, you know, in Michigan, it gets hot and we get bugs. And then they die in the winter because of all the ice and snow. 
in Australia, they just keep growing forever. So, you know, spiders as big as your face. Yeah. And shit like that. No, no thanks. And since, I'm good. Yeah, and since everything I'm is deadly that. to protect themselves from the other deadly things, it just makes things even worse. Right. Um, and then one thing that I yeah. think is amazing, I wouldn't really have thought a movie studio would do something like this, but like again, any good news for being safe is great news. And Warner Brothers has set up a online anonymous reporting process for any crew member that they see... Uh, where they where it's not safe like that is violating any of these safety protocols on production sets so those people can let you know them know hey this isn't being followed or this isn't being followed it's anonymous which will give them Warner Brothers the hopefully the incentive to say hey we need to check out this film set and make sure they are doing things safely so that we can continue to do business and I'd hope to see some more studios kind of come up with this but i was just kind of glad to see there's something like this in there because to be honest i would not have believed there would be anything like that right and then um your favorite writer ever tony tom king uh announced that he is doing a new book with dc uh through black label he is doing rorschach a 12-issue maxi-series of Rorschach. Uh, So this book is supposed to take place 35 years after the events of the original Watchmen, um, where Dr. Manhattan unmade Rorschach, but not not until Rorschach already sent his crazy journal out for people. Um, So I don't know... He says it's not called Rorschach because of the character Rorschach, but because of what you see in these characters tells you more about yourself than about them. So like a play on the Rorschach test. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what this will entail. It's Tom King. So it could be anything. Um, and it's black label, which is good because that means it's going to be a little more adult oriented. Um, I'm wondering if it's going to be kind of in line with the television show a little bit or, if it's going to use that as a source material or not, I don't know. Um, but I thought that was kind of exciting news. It will be interesting because obviously the comic, then, the comic book series was different than the TV series, mainly in the sense of it mainly took place in the main DC proper world and not Watchmen world where the TV show was in the Watchmen world. So it would be nice if it does kind of have something set up within what we saw on the HBO series to say, oh yeah, this is this enclosed universe and this is kind of that continuity there so that they could keep it all concise there. And you could still say that this new a Doomsday Clock happened because it mostly happened in the pages of Batman and Superman's world. So it could be canon and it'd be interesting to see. I just have a feeling that he's going to get my hopes up right. and then out of nowhere pull the rug. Yeah. Well, you do have to remember, Black Label doesn't necessarily mean canon, right? So oh, he can yeah, pretty yeah. much do whatever he wants that without is true. affecting main story. I mean, it can be. It can yeah. be canon. They kind of get to decide whether whether they want it to be or not. But that, and that's so always the Black Label stuff. That's always good too. I like knowing that up front. Like, yeah, I didn't even think about you saying Black Label. 
knowing that it's Black Label, I, I can go into it just thinking, oh, it is a Elseworlds type book, so... Right. Oh, I, I am yeah. interested in that now. I think it'll be good. I really like the cover for the first issue they're showing is very, like, um, old detective novel looking. Like, it's got a thumbprint, and then it's got, like, Rorschach in the thumbprint kind of bleeding into it, like, sort of very noir-looking cover. So I think it'll be good. Yeah, one of the last things that I, I have, uh, uh, are you ready for Player Two? No. Do you know what that is? Is it us taking a giant dump on Ready Player One? <laughs> no, it's it's a sequel to Ready Player One called Ready Player okay. Two. Uh, the pre-orders are now uh, live on Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble and everything. It looks like the is it written by the same guy. Yeah, Ernest Klein. Yes. Yeah. There's oh. very little to no plot point to it. Just that they announced that you can now pre-order it. Uh, it looks like it's going to be shipping uh, November 24th of this year. So he obviously has to have it written. I'm just surprised yeah. that I haven't heard anything about this. And I love that book. It was really good. Movie, something different. But the book was really good. So I'm very curious. I don't know. I think I might pre-order this because... Yeah, me too. I really the book was was really 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 good. Um, his second book, Armada, which had nothing to do with Ready Player One, not as good. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if him going back to his source material will kind of get him back to that place. I hope so. I hope this isn't one of those situations where he comes with a sequel and it's like, oh, well, like, well you ruined it. Yeah. Well, like what I like so much about the first one is just all the small Easter eggs and everything and. And a lot of it was uh, 70s and 80s, mainly 80s nostalgic stuff. I would be okay with the 90s type, uh, you know, maybe some PlayStation oh, video yeah. games and oh, some grunge amazing. and everything. So how that would fit in this universe uh, would be interesting, but it, I, I'm kind of... Well, let's, let's break this down, right? So the, the first book ended with... The James Halliday giving away basically um, the whole the, virtual world, thought? virtual yeah, universe to to those to those kids, kind of like in a very Willy Wonka sort of fashion. Yep. Right. So it would make sense that if they were taking over, that the influences of the game would then the Oasis more modern. Right. Yeah. So I'm hoping that you're right because that would be awesome. I would love. Like I remember the '80s. We were kids, like legit kids in the 80s, mm -hmm. so like there's a lot of nostalgia for toys and stuff like that, but the 90s are my formative years, so I have a lot of feelings and memories about the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> so I would, I, yeah, it could, there is, like I said, there's really nothing about it, and I'm wondering if they are truly going to do something which would be a marketing miracle to be able to market something without really giving away what it is. I'm assuming we'll probably start hearing a little bit more of it, but again, like just like with Ready Player One, I don't remember too much about it going into it, but just kind of that. There's this oasis, and there's people that are jacked into it, and the real world sucks, and there's video games, and it's a contest. That's pretty much as much as I'll need about this. Just tell me the years that you're going to be right. pulling from. 
yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I'm glad you came with that news because I definitely need to go um, do a deep dive on this, pre-order it. Um, and then we can have we can have like a Drunk on Comics book club. Oh yeah, that would be fun because I'm a giant nerd. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have uh, anything else that you found? Um, just a, a couple tiny things. Uh, you had mentioned a couple episodes ago. I think it was one episode ago. If you go with what was actually posted, but if you go with what we actually recorded, it was a couple episodes ago. Um, you were talking about superhero kindergarten, the Stanley, yes, uh, comic book that is coming out. So um, it's been announced that Archie Comics is actually the uh, organization, the comic book imprint that's going to be publishing all of these. So they now own the rights to Stanley's Pow Entertainment. Oh. Uh, what do you call it? The, the basically oh the likenesses they own the rights to the likenesses to publish, so that includes Stanley, right? Mm-hmm. Because Stanley owned yep. his own image, and then Stanley's Power Entertainment owned it after that. So anything that comes out and that looks like they're going to be trying pushing a bunch of his stuff out um, is going to be coming out through Archie Comics, which to me is a weird. It's not a. It's a weird choice because it's like he was never affiliated with Archie Comics, but it also makes sense because Archie Comics has always been kind of like that wholesome sort of comic book publishing company. <laughs> yeah. A few, few offshoots into zombies and witches and stuff here and there, but for the most part. Um, what else do I got? There was one, two, two. Do you know who Dame Damon Hellstrom Hellstrom is? Damien Hellstrom? The son of Yeah. Da- Damon Damon Hellstrom? Yeah. The son of Satan. Yep. Did you know that who was doing a Hellstrom television show? I had heard rumors of it, but then I thought that it kinda got on maybe the chopping block, but I don't know if it's still a nope. thing. It is still a thing. They have filmed it. I am oh. looking at scenes from it right now. And it comes out in October, which makes sense because it's, you know, a spooky sort of show. Um, I just was unaware that it was even coming. And I was like, wow, what a deep pull to, <laughs> to do a show about. Yeah, the only um, reason why I knew about it was because it, there was talks of, well, what would this be on? Because it's not going to be a Disney Plus type show with the... How it is, and so they're talking about probably Hulu, which is that where you think it's gonna go? It is. Okay. It is Hulu. Yep. Yeah. So I guess look for that in in October. It's just it was it was weird. It was it's a it makes sense because you know people love like that spooky sort of vibe to shows, but I'm also like there are eight thousand Marvel comic book characters that you can make shows out of, and you chose the Son of Satan. <laughs> what a weird choice but we'll see it, it might be good it looks very like Lu- the um, what do you call it uh, Lucifer-esque vibe to it um, and then my last thing was just this is just more for an FYI for you Tony um, did you read Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen number 12 no I've, I didn't Japan? ever read that one it's a great book, and I love the what they've been doing with Jimmy Olsen. But in number 12, they have revealed that Jimmy Olsen is a long-lost relative of Lex Luthor. 
And apparently, oh. yeah, apparently it's since the beginning of time, the Luther's family estate has always been any living relative gets to vote on how the funds of the trust are spent, which means now Jimmy Olsen gets to tell Lex Luthor how he's going to spend all of his money, including funding the planet so that it doesn't go under because it's a newspaper and nobody reads newspapers anymore. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was really like a very interesting sort of play to make connecting these two characters um, I also love the idea of Jimmy Olsen just constantly being the thorn in the side of Lex Luthor. <laughs> just makes him infinitely more important to the character. Yeah. So, that's all I got. Alright, um, well, booze in the book this week, um, Our Fighting Forces number one. Uh, this is a DC book, uh, it's digital first. Now, when I was reading that, I was like, okay, it's digital. It's like only 99 cents to get online. But then what I realized, trying to look, read up more on this, is that it's not really a digital first because it seems like this is one of, uh, this is only part of the story because obviously it ends, so there's going to be more. And it originally debuted back when DC had that contract with Walmart putting out some of those big books. One of the reasons why I originally picked this up was because it didn't seem like a superhero book, because it's not. It's more of a military kind of espionage type book, which I typically don't like, but there is this person in here, this unknown soldier who pretty much is like a chameleon. He can take over like their people's faces and everything, which I'm very curious how those powers work in whatever this universe is, because it's... It's not a DC universe, it's its own universe, just the DC imprint. So this was obviously the first arc, not even arc, first couple 20 pages of what the overall 100 page issue story is. So I'm assuming they're going to release some more and a digital, uh, especially with not everyone going to Walmarts or if they sold out um, how to get this. So. With that being said, it was enjoyable. Uh, the art and everything was amazing in this. But here at Drunk on Comics, we sometimes we always try to pair a booze in a book. And sometimes I may not have tried a new booze, and we try to think of how would this fit in. Is there anything like a military drink or something chameleon? And Linz came up with uh, the booze that we could pair with this week. I did, and... Um... It's not military-related or chameleon-related, or maybe even related to the book at all, but... <laughs> oh, I think I, it, uh, I can tie it in. No, we can, we can totally um, sandwich these two things together if we try hard enough. Uh, so I tried Oberon from Bell's Brewery, but it's Oberon Mango. So Oberon has been a long-lasting kind of go-to beer for us. Anytime we're doing anything summery or anything we're doing that's like a standard or like a go-to, we kind of go to Oberon because it's just been our local micro-brew that started it all, it seems. Um, so this is that, but with mango, um, which actually makes it really tart, a little a little more tart and like on the tongue than normal Oberon. It was, it was very good. Like I love Oberon, but I also hate Oberon. So this is a nice change. See, I, um, I, old normal. I think that it fits in because if 
you were to give me one of these and I'd be like, oh, it's an Oberon. And I start drinking, I'd be like, but that's not Oberon. It's that surprise of being hidden within an Oberon bottle. That's right. how I, that's how I'm, that's how I'm going to tie it in. <laughs> Much like this comic, it's DC, but it's not DC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's what yeah, I have there. Um, I do, I do have one last thing that I did want to bring up uh, at the end, uh, which is to, when you are saying people, you know, men who are great and everything, uh, I was almost thinking you are going to start talking about this young boy, but um, glad you didn't so we could save it for later, but uh, Bridger Walker. Have you heard his story? His oh. Hold on, before you tell me his story, and I can't make fun of it anymore, his name is Bridger? Yes. Walker? Yes. Why? That's not a name. <laughs> there are tons of different people with... It's literally like... Bridge... Bridger? Yes. <laughs> Bridger's not a name. <laughs> okay, now that I have that out of my system, tell me the heartwarming story now that I can't. I yeah. so I can't make fun of his name anymore. Well, that you don't even know about this. Uh, you're going to feel like a total ass. Uh, uh, no, I won't. I'm fine. <laughs> so Bridger, Bridger Walker is a six-year-old boy who uh, about a week ago, him and his sister were playing in the yard, and the neighbor's dog came to uh, start attacking them, or attack his sister. So he jumped in front of the dog, uh, had to get 90 stitches on his face. His wow. face got bit up and everything. And when his aunt like kind of took pictures and kind of posted something out there onto Twitter, because the little boy like they asked why would you do that, and the little boy said if someone had to die, it would I rather have it be me than my sister. Aww. And it's like holy shit, dude! Like you're a little six year old boy, but you jumped in harm's way to save your sister from being attacked. And so obviously he's gonna have scars from this. And so the aunt put this out there um, to kind of just say, hey, anyone that could maybe, you know, get a message to uh, one some of the Avengers and just kind of tag them on, on Twitter of like, if anyone could maybe give a video message, it would warm his heart. And so they've started pouring on in. First, it was uh, Chris Evans, who, by the way, also is someone that I would say is pretty awesome dude um, to hang out with, who gave his own personal uh, story to him. So I saw the video of him. The little boy was in his Captain America outfit while parents were filming him watching this message from Chris Evans, who's, you know, kind of playing as Captain America, saying how amazing, you know, you are, Bridger. Like, you you are a hero now to your sister, but inspiring everyone. And I'm going to send you a real-life Captain America shield. And then it doesn't stop there. Um, the other two that I know of as of right now, uh, Tom Holland uh, is inviting him to come visit the Spider-Man 3 set. So Spider-Man sent him a personal message and said, hey, come on come on by uh, the set. So I'm assuming that's going to probably try to be worked out to get him on set. And then uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, also said you know, how amazing Hiroki is. And he goes found out your birthday and just I bet you can't wait but you're gonna have something special so that's also a big surprise that whenever this little boy's birthday he's gonna, is he's gonna pay for him to have his name changed so it's not Bridger anymore 
Way to take a heartwarming thing, Linz, and be a complete ass. This, but I just, I, I find, you know, just the outpouring from, from these people to this small gesture that this boy did, which was not a small gesture at all to kind of put it's yourself. Not. No. Um, he could have died. Like, let's be realistic. Yeah. If he had to get 90 stitches, he could have died. Yeah. So small. that is amazing. I mean, I make fun of his name, and that's not his fault. That's his parents' fault. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of just want to. No, that is, that is awesome. And it just goes to show you that, like, I'm sure his parents taught him to, like, love his sister and, like, take care of the people you love. But it's also, like, an innate feeling inside of you if you love somebody that you want to protect them. Yep, so with that, um, I don't know, I think the world needs more Bridger Walkers. More Bridger Walkers. It sounds like you're naming a group of people who literally, like, you know, like the mall walkers, but they oh. walk on bridges. They're Bridger Walkers. <laughs> he's he's bridging the gap between <laughs> walkers, I don't know. He's bridging the gap in all of our hearts. Yes. So with that, right, uh... Stay thirsty for more uplifting heroic news from everyone in the world. Yes, not us, but everyone else. Yes, and wear your damn mask.